As we come to look at God's word, let's uh, pause for a short prayer. Heavenly Father, as we turn now to your word in order to look at this subject of repentance, we ask that your Holy Spirit will open the eyes of our understanding so that we can find the truth about this important subject. We ask that you will empower us to put into practice in our daily living what we learn today. Please help us to pass on what we learn to others by means of our words and by our example. We come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Have you ever told someone that they needed to repent? Have you ever told a loved member of your family that they need to repent? It's rather a sharp thing to say, isn't it? What about someone at school or at work or a fellow team member? It can be quite a shocking thing to say to someone that they need to turn away from their sin. It can bring quite a negative response. Ask Israel Falau, our world-famous football player. How did it go for him? And he was just quoting the Bible in answer to a question. Today I want us to study this concept of repentance. Firstly, uh, we'll explain uh, what this word actually means. Then we'll have a brief look at uh, the Old Testament and what it teaches us about uh, repentance followed by the teaching of Jesus. Then we'll look at a few references in the rest of the New Testament about repentance. The message of repentance has never been very popular. It has always been part of the Bible's message down through the ages. How important is repentance? Thomas Watson, the great Puritan writer, put it very well when he said, I'm sure that repentance is of such importance that there is no being saved without it. In other words, no repentance equals no salvation, no heaven, only eternal hell and damnation. Another writer put it this way, Without the exercise of true repentance then, a person can have no sure evidence either of regeneration or of sanctification. So the need for repentance can be uh, over, over, can have a negative effect on people. Uh, people uh, need to be told that they need to repent with compassion and love and out of friendship. Or it can be delivered alternatively in arrogance and can be quite hurtful. It's better to be kind in the way you deliver the message. The Apostle Paul is our guide here when he says in Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Our message of repentance needs to be followed up by the offer of forgiveness and grace to all who are willing to respond positively to the message. Do you think the subject of repentance is important? Have you ever told anybody that they need to repent? Are you being faithful in delivering the call to repentance as well as the offer of grace and love through the Lord Jesus. Let's look at our first point, definitions. When Donald Trump was first running for president, he was asked if he'd ever repented of his sins. His answer was, I'd never sinned, so I never needed to repent. I don't think he had a very good understanding of sin or repentance. It's important to make sure that uh, we're all on the same page by defining what we mean by this word repentance or more correctly what the Bible means by the word repentance. Our society thinks of repentance as regret or feeling sorry for something bad that we've done or something we know we should have done but have failed to do. But the biblical concept of repentance has a much richer definition which yes does include this regret and feeling sorrow for our sins 
but also includes the activation of our will to turn away from our wrong actions or words with a commitment to avoiding that sin in the future. Biblical repentance involves a change, a change of thinking, a change of attitude, a change of heart and a change of action and direction. R.C. Sproul says this, Repentance means a significant changing of one's mind without respect to, sorry, with respect to our behaviour. Repentance is a gift given to us by God's grace alone, which causes the believer to acknowledge that sin is indeed sin and to humbly recognise that they are therefore a sinner. There is such a thing as fake or counterfeit repentance that has this outward sign of change but does not include the heart. Outward religion, but no real inner faith. True repentance involves the confession of sin and the turning away from disobedience to God's law, followed by a turning to Christ in faith. Louis Burkhoff says this, True repentance never exists exists except in conjunction with faith, while on the other hand, wherever there is true faith, there is also real repentance. So these truths are linked together. They are related to each other. Repentance that is without faith cannot be true repentance. Faith that is without repentance is not true faith. Repentance is simply turning from sin and turning to Jesus for salvation. Once truly converted, repentance becomes a regular part of the believer's life whereby they confront their sin in their life and turn away from it and look to Jesus with faith. Where whenever the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, then we confess that sin, repent and turn away from it. Is your faith genuine? Is your repentance genuine? Is repentance and confession of sin a regular part of your life? Is there some sin or habit you need to turn away from? Do you need to have a change of heart, a change of attitude? Secondly, repentance in the Old Testament. Repentance is not just a Christian or a New Testament teaching, but has its foundations firmly in the writings of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is filled with examples of people repenting and turning to God. When you read the Old Testament prophets, you see that their main message is repent or else. The striking aspect about the warnings we find in the prophets in particular is how often God's anger is expressed in the context of the prophets grieving and weeping over the people's sin, as portrayed by men like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. The angry, fierce God of the judgment found in the Old Testament is also the God of amazing grace, love and forgiveness. The nation of Israel repeatedly turned away from God's law and sinned, only to suffer the same consequences over and over again. Repent, turn back to God, repent and then turn back to God. That's amazing grace that God puts up with that, not only in them but also in us. Reading the book of Judges makes this trend very obvious but also reminds us of our own wandering in the wilderness. Perhaps one of the best examples of sin and repentance in the Old Testament is found in 2 Samuel 12 verses 1 to 31, the passage that was read to us earlier. Nathan used a moving story of blatant injustice demonstrated by a rich man who owned many sheep but steals the favourite sheep, a pet, of a poor man. King David rightly was outraged by this injustice, but also oblivious to his own sins. 
But then Nathan, Nathan said to him, David, you are the man. That's another way of saying, you need to repent. Then comes David's confession and statement of repentance, verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. In Psalm 51 we have a fuller account of David's prayer of confession and repentance. Let me read it to you. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and only, yes, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the innermost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast from me, do not cast me from your presence and take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It's an amazing passage, isn't it? Do you see the picture here of repentance? portrayed very clearly in these verses. Emotions are there, of course, but so is the change of the mind and the will. There is conviction of sin. There is confession of sin and a request for cleansing and forgiveness. There is also, most importantly, a turning away from sin. Repentance is a turning away from sin and a turning to God in faith. Have you ever experienced this kind of genuine repentance? Have you ever prayed a prayer like David did? Notice that repentance and forgiveness do not remove all the consequences of the sinful actions. David's baby died. His family life was badly dysfunctional due to his sin. We're all living with the results of some of the sins in our life, some of those rebellious acts against God's law. Is there some sin in your life that you've been covering up? Have you lost your joy because of some sin? Have you ever asked God to search your heart for sin? Have you had the joy of having your sin washed away and forgiven? Is your God full of compassion, grace and mercy? Do you believe that even adultery and murder are forgivable sins? Thirdly, let's look at repentance in the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus had a lot to say about repentance. In fact, it was a key aspect of his preaching and teaching, just as it was with John the Baptist. In John 3, we find Jesus telling very bluntly Nicodemus that even though he was a leader and a teacher of the Old Testament, he needed to be born again. Another way of saying he needed to humble himself, repent and believe in Jesus and be born again by the Spirit of God. Following Satan's temptation in the wilderness, Matthew 4.17 tells us, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In Luke chapter 5, verses 29 to 32, we see the story of Levi having a great banquet, we might say today, a barbecue, and invited all his friends. But of course his friends were tax collectors, uh, poor people. 
The Pharisees, who were observing this, became indignant and they said, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We also read in Matthew 11, verses 20 to 22, Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazim. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. So in contrast to the clear teaching of Jesus, the refusal of many TV evangelists like Joel Osteen to ever use words like sin, repentance and judgment in their message. A gospel without repentance is no gospel at all, says James White. So much of the common belief that Jesus was, so much for the common belief that Jesus was just kind and gentle teacher, uh, teaching about the way of love, that love is all that matters? No. As well as loving God and your neighbour, Jesus also denounced sin and sinners and the refusal of many to listen to his words and to repent. Most of us like to keep up with the latest news, especially in times of disaster like bushfires, floods or these days of the coronavirus going around amongst us. Well, it seems that this is not a new trait in society at all, as we read in Luke 13 verses 1 to 5. Some of Jesus' listeners wanted to get him up to date on the latest news of a recent disaster. They said, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way, in this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you also will perish. We would like more information, wouldn't we? That's why we would like to watch the news. Why did Pilate do that to those Galileans? What's the background story there? What caused the Tower of Siloam to fall? Faulty construction, like maybe our Opal Towers in Sydney? Or maybe it was an earthquake? We don't know. But it would seem that Jesus is saying to us that we live in a fallen world and that such disasters are regularly going to happen. So we'd better make sure that we are right with God and not only be consumed with the latest news. That means that even if we experience a disaster, we can call it COVID-19, we need to make sure that we've repented and then regularly repent day by day because of our disobedience to God's word. There are times when other people, sometimes even other Christians, sin against us and cause us harm. Jesus also addressed this situation as well. Luke 17 verses 3 and 4. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins again, sorry, if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Peter had a bit of trouble understanding this and Matthew tells us in chapter 18 that he asked a question about how often he should forgive his brother if he repents. Jesus said, seven times 
70. Clearly Jesus is talking about genuine repentance, of course. Repentance that comes from the heart. Just, just, not just some form of apology for something that uh, a person has done wrong, like uh, we so often see on the TV news when our politicians uh, apologise for something or our football players apologise for unacceptable uh, conduct. No, it's more than that. Are you like Nicodemus in need of repenting and putting your faith in Jesus? Are you more consumed by the news that you're about than you are more concerned about the news than you are about repentance. Do you believe that uh, teaching of Jesus, that if people do not repent of their sin, they will perish? If you are a believer, are you practising this repenting from your sin on a daily basis? Are you willing to forgive seven times 70? Let's look at our last point, repentance in the rest of the New Testament. Repentance is also a major theme of the rest of the New Testament. As the first Christian believers went about fulfilling the Great Commission, the call to repentance was a key feature in their preaching. From the book of Acts right through to the book of Revelation, the word repentance keeps occurring. With so many references, I've had to select just a few key ones. The first is recorded uh, in the first sermon that we find in Acts chapter 3, verses 37 to 41. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So we can see that repentance was an important part of the preaching of the early church. Even the apostles got hostile responses sometimes, particularly from the authorities, when they did not water down the gospel message. Acts chapter 5, verses 29 to 33. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. So we see here a very important passage. Clearly the gospel message is about repentance. And verse 33 in the passage goes on later and says, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Sometimes our gospel preaching will cause a negative response in people's lives, even a violent response. However, we must make sure that it's the message and not our arrogant attitude that causes this kind of response. But notice that the passage says that God exalted him, in verse 31, God exalted him to his own right hand, as Prince and Saviour, that he might what? Give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. So both repentance and forgiveness are gifts given by God. Repentance must proceed to putting our faith in the Lord Jesus. Acts 20.21 tells us, I declare to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the sequence there? Turn from your sins and turn to faith in Jesus. No exemptions. 
Repentance is required of all, regardless, you notice, of nationality, Jews or Greeks. Notice also that repentance must be followed by this putting our faith in the Lord Jesus. Don't stop at repentance, turn to Jesus, submit to him. One of the things that irritate me is the lack of a call for repentance in so many evangelistic crusades. Most so-called sinner's prayers that are found in counselling materials and booklets have no reference to the command to repent and to turn away from sin included. Repentance and submission to the Lordship of Jesus are an essential part of the gospel message. Take repentance out of the gospel and you no longer have a gospel. No submission to Jesus equals no salvation. Acts 17.30, the Apostle Paul tells us that in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Have you obeyed this command? It's for everyone, including you. When God stops offering salvation to people, he turns instead to judgment and condemnation. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8-10, to 10, where Paul notes that not just being sorry for sin is enough. It doesn't result in salvation. He says, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets, but worldly sorrow brings death. So don't stop at being sorry for your sin. True sorrow should lead to true repentance. This is contrasted very clearly in the responses of both Peter and Judas, who were both sorry for their sin, but while Peter's sorrow led him to repentance and faith, Judas' sorrow led to death and judgment. We need to make sure that we don't just stop at confession and sorrow, but always move on to repentance and putting our faith in Jesus. We need to keep turning away from sin, but then keep turning in faith to Jesus. Are you constantly turning away from sin? Are you turning to Jesus for forgiveness and cleansing? Are you making sure you don't stop at just being sorry for your sin? Are you following the example of Judas or Peter? Let me lead you in prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your uh, loving rebuke and the, the, the discipline that causes us to humble ourselves and repent. Please enable us, we pray, to follow the example of Peter, who was not just sorry for his sin, but turned away from sin and turned towards Jesus. We praise and thank you, Lord Jesus, for making our forgiveness and our salvation possible. We thank you for the gifts of repentance and faith that you give to us. Please forgive us for being consumed with the news instead of being consumed with the gospel message of repentance and eternal life. Please forgive us for stopping at being sorry for our sin and not humbling ourselves and submitting to your commands. Enable us, we pray, to live with ongoing the ongoing consequences of our sinful actions from our past. We thank you for making it possible to forgive all our sins, even adultery and murder. We thank you for the amazing grace of your love for us. We come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.